In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, the Badgers went on the road and dominated. They beat Michigan 49-11. to A lot to get to throughout the next 45 minutes or so. We'll talk about that performance. We'll talk about uh, what it means going forward. Talk about Graham Mertz's return after uh, sitting out with COVID for a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll answer your Twitter questions as well. Uh, first, though, Jesse, you know, there's a lot to be impressed about. I think a lot of high grades could be given out for uh, the Badgers almost across the board. They dominated from almost the the, the first snap, um, at least the first defensive snap for uh, Wisconsin, and they they uh, you know took care of business. Michigan's not a very good team right now, but you just they had their backs up against the wall, and Wisconsin came out and played like they had their backs up against the wall and just dominated throughout. To me, it was one of the most impressive performances of the Paul Christ era so far. And I say that knowing full well that, as you said, Michigan stinks this year. The Wolverines are 1-3 for the first time since 1967. And they had injuries, too. But what Wisconsin had to overcome in the last few weeks is something that nobody in this program had experienced before. And to me, the most fascinating aspect of the game, or at least leading up to the game, was that it was almost as though there was a shroud of mystery hovering over the Badgers program because we knew that there would be players not available. We just didn't know which ones. And so about 45 minutes before kickoff, uh, the school finally releases its status report. And there are eight guys who are either starters or members of the two deep in that season opening win against Illinois who are not available. And Wisconsin played like it didn't matter. I thought it really highlighted the Badgers' depth uh, and obviously the level of preparation and just the physicality. The coaching staff put together a great plan, and the players executed it to perfection. They did. Uh, where, do, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on offense? Or you want to start on defense? Well, let's start on defense because okay. they really got the ball rolling to allow the offense the first couple touchdowns. They did. Uh, first play of the game for Michigan. You got Holly Rowe talking about <laughs> about Joe, about Joe Milton and trying to do all the great things. You know, start off fast and do all the things they hadn't done in the past. And as she's talking. He throws a ball that gets tipped by Eric Braille and picked off by Scott Nelson. Scott Nelson's first defensive play since he injured his knee in the season opener against South Florida last year. Huge, huge play there. Wisconsin goes down and scores. Next drive, they get uh, the uh, Joe Milton uh, colorblind. I don't know, man, because that was uh, – I, I saw the receiver behind Leo Chanel, but he threw it right to Leo Chanel, and he picks it off, goes back 31 yards, sets up another touchdown, and it was it was on. 14 to nothing, and uh, I, I – Someone asked Leo if he was surprised, and he just started laughing. I, and I think we kind of all started laughing, like probably sitting in our homes, like where was he going with that ball? But again, they uh, I don't know if they confused him or what, but Wisconsin's defense made plays throughout, and, and obviously it was Leo Chanel, it was Scott Nelson, and then also Nick Herbig with the team-best three tackles for loss. Yeah, and I think Herbig got the pressure on that one. He that did. Milton threw the interception to Chanel, but... That was an inexcusable throw. There was nobody within 10 yards, and then Leo even said that it came right to his chest, and as soon as he caught it, he was like, wow, what just happened? <laughs> like Even he couldn't believe that it was such a terrible throw that it went directly to him. But this goes back to Wisconsin having playmakers defensively and having depth. I mean, we could say this really across the board, but you know, you don't have Rashad Wild Goose available. He's your most versatile cornerback. You don't have Garrett Rand, a, a starter at defensive end. 
And then even during the game, you lose Matt Henningsen to an injury, and they just plug in Isaiah Mullins. Um, it hasn't really seemed to matter who they have in there. And even though Jim Leonard joked sort of tongue-in-cheek during the week that uh, basically, don't worry, we'll have 11 guys on the field, um, because I, I asked him whether he thought how close to full strength the defense would be, he put together a great plan. And, and the defense has just been lights out these first two games. What he's been able to do, um, you know, he, he, sh- he deserves a lot of credit, but, but so do the players. No, the players definitely do. And Michigan, you know, as much maligned as their defense was coming in, their offense had been moving the ball. Uh, They had 430 yards per game coming in, and Wisconsin holds them to 219. And right now, I think it's uh, because they gave up 218 in the first game. So they're giving up 218.5 yards per game, which is tops in the country. They've allowed just one touchdown, and that was uh, was a little bit of a shock, right? I mean, that uh, backup goes right down the field. But after that, he he was unproductive the rest of the game. So it wasn't like uh, he caught fire and... Wisconsin couldn't stop them. They did. It was just that one drive where a couple guys made some plays. But overall, defensively, we we thought that the unit could be better than last year. They said it was going to be better than last year, even though you lose Zach Bond and you lose Chris Orr. So far through two games, they they have been. Yeah, they really have. And the two guys that have stepped into those roles, as we were talking about before, Leo Chanel and Nick Herbig. And Herbig, I, I don't want to say he's a revelation because – Uh, I think a lot of us at least had an inkling that this was a possibility given uh, the need they had at that position, the lack of depth, and the fact that he was a four-star guy coming out of Hawaii, uh, the type of kid that Wisconsin doesn't necessarily always get. He was the highest-rated outside linebacker to sign with Wisconsin since Vince Beagle back in 2012. But he winds up with five tackles, which tied for the team high with Scott Nelson. He had three tackles for loss. Uh, He's just he's a playmaker, and and Leo is – is puts himself in the right spots, and that interception is a good example. So they always manage to, to plug and play. It's just kind of become a staple of the Wisconsin defense, and I don't think we should take it for granted because there are plenty of programs who would lose a first-team All-American and an all-conference linebacker uh, in both Zach Bond and, and Chris Sore and not be as good, and yet it's it just hasn't mattered for Wisconsin. And you mentioned Wild Goose not being able to play, so that hit into their depth a little bit, but again, they have... So much depth, and I thought it was probably the best example of it, probably at least last night, was when Caesar Williams had his helmet get knocked off, and he had to go out for a play, and Dante Burton has to come in cold off the sideline, and they go right at him, and he may have gotten away with a little push here, but he made a play on a ball down to a guy that's about six inches taller than he was, and they just they have that ability to plug and play guys that have played some, that have uh, snaps under their belt and not really miss a beat, and I thought that that certainly was the case uh, across the... Uh, Across the defense, you know, it didn't matter who it was, you know, stepping in. You know, Eric Burrell didn't play much in the second half, and it was Colin Wilder back there almost picking off a pass. So these guys, uh, he has so many different options, Jim Leonard does, so many different options. Now, the options are kind of starting to wane a little bit in the front, uh, in the defensive line with some of the injuries that they uh, are dealing with, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But he has a lot to work with, and he's so far through two games, he's he's worked it, worked it pretty well. Turn over the other side of the ball, you know, last time we saw Graham Mertz, he was nearly perfect. He was not perfect last night, and yet Wisconsin's offense was able to find ways to move the ball pretty efficiently. I mean, he was 12 of 22, 127 yards, two touchdowns. Certainly wasn't uh, on point with his accuracy as he as he was in the first game. And I, I he said that he wasn't rusty. He said that he felt like he was just, just another football game. But do you think that uh, that two week period where he wasn't able to do much of anything? And then just a little bit of practice this week kind of threw him off at all? 
Yes, I do. I don't know how you could say that it. Well, he said he didn't. He said it did. I yeah, I know what he said, but you know, just realistically, yeah, um, you know, you want at any position, but the quarterback too, an entire week of game plan, including practice to get ready for a team. And that's Graham didn't have that opportunity. He said he was able to touch a football early in the week, but what did that really mean? We knew that. (laughs) Based on the when he tested positive, which was the Saturday, the day after the Illinois game, that in the Big Ten's 21-day return-to-play protocol, he wouldn't actually be able to be involved in a full-fledged practice until the end of this past week. So that didn't leave much opportunity to get full-speed game reps. Um, and I think we saw it early. He missed a throw that is, certainly in week one he, he wouldn't have missed because every single pass was on target. Uh, it was a pass in the flat to Jalen Berger, who yeah, the I know will address too. Yeah. I thought, wow, yeah, phenomenal day for Jalen. But just to stay on Mertz, he overthrew uh, Jalen Berger on that throw, and there were some other instances where he was off the mark. But really, this is a game where Graham didn't have to be that type of quarterback. This is a game where we've seen a lot of Badgers quarterbacks in years past just need to do exactly what Graham did because Wisconsin obliterated Michigan on the ground, wore the Wolverines out. Um, but I think the good news is is that Wisconsin has the type of quarterback in Graham that when it is needed, we know he'll be able to deliver, at least based on what we saw in the first game and, and what we've seen you know, in high school and all those all-star games. It's not that he didn't make s- some really nice throws. The touchdown throw to Jake Ferguson was in the exact perfect spot it needed to to be allowing him to go up and get it. And the, I mean there was and there were some other nice you know d- decisions, I guess on on his part, including the uh, the crosser late. On third and I think it was third and seven, uh, either on the first drive, no, um, might have been on the second drive that uh, he found Chimray DK across the middle for a first down that set up another touchdown. So it wasn't that he didn't play well; it's just that he didn't. He really they didn't really need him to do the same things that he did uh, three weeks ago because they were, as you said, able to run the ball down Michigan's throat to the tune of 341 yards, just a slightly better performance than they did against Illinois. And they did it in a, mon- a number of different ways. You mentioned Jalen Berger. They got Nikia Watson going. They got the jet sweep going. I, I want to talk about the jet sweep. We'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll get to Berger, but I wanted to start with the jet sweep because they ran it and ran it and ran it, and ran it, and ran it some more. And Paul Chris was asked after the game, what did you like about it, or what did you see there that you liked about it? And he goes, we saw that it was working. <laughs> you know? I know. And the crazy thing is, it's almost like Michigan had never seen it before. I mean, this has become a staple in Wisconsin's offensive package. And Danny Davis wound up carrying the ball seven times for 65 yards. Yeah. Um, and he scored a touchdown on one. And Chimray DK had a 30-yard run. Um, so I think just Wisconsin's ability to mix it up just enough and be able to push the pile forward between the tackles, uh, maybe makes defenders commit a little bit more there. And sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll do the so-called window dressing where you can go through these motions and not do it. And I think that helps set it up, but yeah, it was just such an impressive performance because of the variety of ways in which Wisconsin dominated on the ground. It was all over the place. It was with a variety of players. I mean, John Chanel winds up with 71 yards rushing. I know that was helped by a 43-yard run, but the fact that they went into this game without two of their top three running backs and managed to rush for 341 yards and five touchdowns is really a testament to what Wisconsin football is all about. It is, and I think it probably should be noted that Michigan was missing their two best defensive linemen um, and, and edge players that probably could have helped in in uh, maybe setting the edge a little bit better against against the uh, the, the the jet sweep. But, I mean, you got to make some changes, don't you, if you're – Dom Brown, 
the the defensive coordinator for Michigan. He didn't uh, much to Wisconsin's gain. But yeah, no, they they did it a bunch of different ways. And in Jalen Berger, that's kind of the what we kind of expected, right? Like in terms of like you know the type of player he could be. Not necessarily this game expected, but they needed him to come through, and he comes through with eighty seven yards and a touchdown. And you know, it wasn't like he. I, I mean, he was good. He's got that burst that I don't think the, the other running backs, at least that were healthy last night, had. And, you know, maybe Isaac Grando has it, but he's he's just a different type of runner than than the other guys that we've seen so far. He is, and it's interesting because in a previous episode, you and I were talking about Jalen and what his future could be this season because of how highly regarded he was out of high school. And we were saying that in the first game, never got off the sideline and I thought well if he was close to playing that he would have been in on the last drive during a blowout but it's kind of a, a amazing what can happen when you no longer have Garrett Groshek and Isaac Arendo and you're dropping down the depth chart and you got to pick somebody and obviously that's a great guy to pick to me um this is something I'm writing about for Monday Th- this highlights the value of what Wisconsin is doing in recruiting where you're getting a higher caliber of player coming in. Uh, and I know recruiting rankings aren't the end-all, be-all, but I do think it is an indication of of the level of player is at coming in that a guy like Jalen can do this in his debut. And it's, it's interesting that he ran for 87 yards in his debut, which is what Jonathan Taylor did back in 2017. Uh, he's got a long oh, way to go to get there. That's a good stat. A I didn't see that. There. That is a good stat, Jesse. 87 yards and a touchdown. Same thing Taylor did uh, in his first game Oof. against Utah State. But... Uh, you're right. He's are you got trying to, that dynamic. Are, are you trying to say that he's the next Jonathan Taylor? Well, he's the next New Jersey running back. <laughs> he came in with more hype than Taylor did. He so, did definitely. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that on Jalen just yet. But the first, the first play that he's in the game, it's the second uh, official play from scrimmage because there was a penalty. He catches a pass out of the backfield, and that's one of the things that he does well. That's what he did in high school. A lot of his runs were on the edge as well in high school. But you're right. He's got the speed. He's got the burst. And to be quite honest, I know it's just one game, but it's hard for me to think that he shouldn't play and that a guy like Isaac Garendo should. Uh, Maybe that's not fair because the coaches have seen Garendo far more than we have in practice. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like Berger has the skill set to warrant more opportunities moving forward this season. And it's not like it's going to cost Wisconsin a year of eligibility because it's a free year for everyone. Right. And I wonder how much of his play or or his usage was because of the you know not having the two other guys or because he did take a step. Paul Chris talked about that. It wasn't just simply because guys were out that other guys were going to get to play. It was because some guys had made progress and I'm wondering I imagine he was one of those guys that that took a step because you know if that's the type of effort that he or that the type of play that he was getting prior to the Illinois game like the type of uh you know reads and and the ability to to do what he did before the Illinois game and he didn't get to play, that would be a bit surprising. I feel like he probably did take a step mentally here these last few weeks to allow him to get on the field physically. Well, he must have because the coaching staff trusted him on the first series of the game yeah. uh, when it was still in doubt. And, and he obviously showed why they had faith in him and he wound up leading the team in carries. I know some of those came in garbage time, which included that 23-yard touchdown run. That was when Danny Vandenboom was in the game. But he led the team in carries and yards rushing and he just he looked very polished for somebody who was making his college debut. Um, and I mean, it's just Wisconsin's recruiting. Uh, 
has really been on an uptick, and you're seeing it with guys like him and Shimray DK and Nick Herbig, and I mean that's why they're making an immediate impact. What did you like about Nakia Watson in in the second week here? I mean, he, he was over five yards a carry, just like Jalen Berger was. I I thought he uh, was a little bit more patient and maybe seeing the holes a little bit better. I think patience is the is the exact word I would use too. And Nakia talked about it after the game with with us um, that he talked to the offensive lineman leading up to the game and wanted to get more in sync with how they blocked with what he needed to, to get the holes, because that was something that was an issue last year too. And we talked about that, just perhaps not having the patience necessary to let plays develop. Um, and he, he looked like the player that they need him to be the strong downhill guy, 12 carries for 65 yards and two touchdowns. He had a couple he had two touchdowns in his whole career before that game. So I think it was a really big step for him. And it was one that, Wisconsin really needed because he was the only guy in the top three coming into the season that was even available. So I think this was a this was a big step for the running game after week one when we were questioning what the ground game would look like. And I know Illinois was very sound defensively in the run game, uh, but this was this was what Wisconsin football should be. When's the last time they ran for over 300 yards but didn't have a 100 yard rusher? Wow. Uh, I don't know the answer to that trivia question on the spot. Do you? I don't because my research has only gone back to 1996, and it has not happened. And I didn't have enough. I didn't have a chance to go any further back this morning. But I'm going to keep on going back and trying to find it. But so far, 1996 since at least 1996, it hasn't happened. Which is just uh, you know, I mean, they, they've had those. They haven't had a lot of seasons where they're. There hasn't been a bell cow, you know what I mean? Like there hasn't been a guy that would take a majority of the carries uh, in these last twenty plus years. I mean, it was Ron Dane, then it was Michael Bennett, then it was Anthony Davis, then it was Brian Calhoun, then it was PJ Hill, then it was John Clay, then it was Monte Ball, then it was James White, then it was Melvin Gordon, then it was you know that twenty fifteen, you know when when uh, Corey Clement and, and Dari shared time because Corey was out so much, and then twenty sixteen it was mostly uh, Corey. In the last three years, it's been Jonathan Taylor. So. But, you know, this year they just don't – you can't really say – point to that and say, yeah, that's uh, that's the guy. And so, yeah, I, it's not a surprise that it's been a long time, but I, I'm just – I'm anxious to figure out if it's the first time ever. I pro- it probably isn't, but it, it's it's up there. Yeah, didn't Wisconsin come into the season without a 100-yard rusher in the backfield? Like no one had rushed for 100 yards in a game? Correct, yeah. Making that up? Yeah, no, I mean, that's – I believe that's right, which I believe was also the case – no, it wasn't. Did uh, – I want to say it was this case in 2017, or am I thinking? I don't think so. Because I think I, I think Bradrick Shaw may have had a hundred yard yeah. game in 2016. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a group that has talent, that has you know certainly the ability to to be you know bell cow running backs, especially Berger and, and Watson. But it just hasn't you know they through two games it hasn't been there. But this is I think this is also the this is the third straight game they've gone without a 100 yard rusher too. They didn't have one in the, in the Rose Bowl. They didn't have obviously didn't have one last week. Didn't have one this week. So that's three straight games. I bet you that hasn't happened a ton uh, in the last uh, twenty five years or so. But yeah, no, it was it was a really really good performance on both sides of the ball. And um, we, we mentioned Chimray, but uh, what do you think of Graham Mertz's blocking skills on that on that run? And do you think Wisconsin is going to say stop blocking? I don't think they're going to say stop blocking, but stop throwing uh, your shoulder into the last it? thing you want to do is for him to get hurt on a play like that. And then you don't have your top three quarterbacks, at least last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
Chim Ray, that's another guy that it's like you see what he does on the field and you just wonder uh, how they can keep him off the field. I mean, it's almost like you get Wally pipped for using an old, old-timey, old old-school reference. I mean, Jack Dunn is what he is, uh, and he was the number three receiver in the opener, but you see what DK can provide. It's that it's that playmaking skill set, and Wisconsin needs more, but you cannot have enough of it. And he had a couple catches, and he had that uh, he had that run that almost went for a touchdown for 30 yards. Yep. So it's just much like Berger. You see performances like that, and you go, those guys need to be on the field more. Yeah, there was a drive there. It was Jalen Berger and Chimray Dike going right down the field with you know the two true freshmen, and then we also got to see uh, some other true freshmen. Obviously, not not ideal for James Thompson Jr., uh, who got hurt uh, in his first action along the defensive line that forced them to put C.J. Getz down there because they were down uh, so many guys, and then also uh, Jack Nelson, the right tackle. The I do you consider him a five star or or a four star? Well, because some one one out, one thing had him as as a five star, but like the the composite still had him as a four star. Yeah, so I consider him a four star if we're going to use the composite for everything else. Yeah, what happened is Nelson went down to the All American Bowl and he completely dominated. And in some of the drills, he was going up up against the number one player in the class. Um, and he went so the twenty four seven sports analysts boosted him from a four-star all the way to a five-star, like one of the top 30 players in the class. So I know it's subjective. I consider him a, a composite four-star, but it, you know, if you want to point out that he was a five-star by 24-7, then what you had at the end of that game yeah. was a five-star on the left <laughs> side and Logan Brown in the composite and a five-star on the 24-7 and Jack Nelson. And wow, that is that is quite a bookend combination for the future at tackle for Wisconsin. Yeah, that's and that's kind of where I wanted to go. And then you know they had the four-star Joe Tipman at right guard. So like... Yeah, they have uh, rather an embarrassment of riches uh, along the offensive line that you have a couple of five-star kids playing uh, in mop-up duty and dominating in mop-up duty uh, as they they went right down the field in that one drive, um, the first Danny Vandenboom drive. So, yeah, I mean, it was was another dominating effort, and now everything focus turns to what is going to be the, uh, I don't want to say de facto Big Ten West title game because who knows if Wisconsin actually gets to gets to play their their final four games and we'll have a chance to go to the title game but it's a huge one at Northwestern as they are at 4-0 after beating Purdue and um, Wisconsin has not had a ton of success down at in, in Evanston but hey this year the crowds will be about the same size as they normally are so they, they have that <laughs> I knew you're going to sneak one of those in they, 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 glorified they, high school stadium that yeah. is a Northwestern I, I do think it's cool though because uh, family can't go to games here this year uh, in Madison, I do think it's good that they're able to travel. And there were a bunch of them there last night uh, at Michigan, and I imagine it will be a very, very, very healthy portion of them uh, at uh, at Northwestern as well. We'll get we'll talk about the game in a little bit, uh, but a little sold or not sold here for you, Jesse. Do do I need okay? Before we get into it, <laughs> you, you got to explain if, the parameters. If you of sold are or not sold if you are sold on the statement that I make. You say sold. Oh, if that you, how it works? If you are not sold on the statement that I make, you say not sold. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Okay. All right. Good. We're on the same page. Cool, cool. Uh, Jalen, sold or not sold, Jalen Berger should get the most carries of any of the running backs move, going forward. Not sold yet, but I do <laughs> think he should be a part of the rotation. That wasn't part um, of it, Jesse. That was not part of it. Not sold. There you go. I'm not. I'm not sold. There's no need yet. for a yet. There's no. Ne- there's no need for a yet. 
Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think there is. There's not. You're not sold. He, you're not sold. At this moment, you're not sold. Yes, but if he does this one or two more games and gets <laughs> that many opportunities, and again, I don't know if he will because if, if Garrett Groshek and, and Isaac Arendo are back, you know, does the staff say we've seen enough in the long haul to view the three guys we thought initially as, as the same three guys we want to move with going forward? I, I don't know. So I'm not <laughs> sold yet, but... <laughs> oh man i talked myself in circles yes no it's all good uh, hey if you, he if, well, if he's gonna turn the tables here yeah, you know you think he should be i'm not sold all right i think he looked really good last night i think he deserves more opportunities going forward i do think he runs a little bit upright i i, I think mm-hmm. i I'm a little worried about him going through the hole at times that he's going to get absolutely crushed uh, but I do think that he got more and more comfortable as the game went on. That I think that was certainly the case, and I think that'll continue to grow as he grows. But if if uh, Isaac Grendel's not back for next week, he's your he's your home run threat in the backfield, and so he's going to have to play uh, against Northwestern. You would think he would get his chances quite a bit if uh, if Isaac Grendel's not there because he's kind of Isaac Grendel's kind of your home run back among the uh, the other three. But uh, again, if he if it was just a matter of him mentally getting there, you know, from the Illinois game to this game, and he's going to continue to grow in that respect, they they like him physically. It was just kind of a mental thing getting him up to speed. Then I think we we could see him a bunch, but um, not sold just yet, yet, right? Okay, is that, so you, is that you how ultimately that, answered the exact same thing that no, I did? No, no, you made I, fun of me for. I was making fun of you again. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I couldn't even. I couldn't even take this, it when the, you were making fun of me. The, yeah, the sarcasm was a little thick. Sold or not sold? I have more confidence in Wisconsin's running game than their passing game. Oh, I'm not sold. Uh, I'm not. Michigan's defense stinks, and like you but said, they, didn't, they were down a couple. They didn't stink against the run coming into this game. They were they were only giving up uh, 124 yards a game. They were getting torched in the passing game, but they were not getting torched in the run game. And I think obviously, as you were about to tell me. As I as we talked about earlier, they're missing they're they're two key guys up front, but um. right and, and I, I do I mean I think the execution was great and the plan was great uh, and you know maybe we'll talk about this more but the offensive line to me uh, that's a pretty good combination that we saw <laughs> yeah. in the game um, so I think there's a lot of promise but you know what Graham did in the first game really sticks with me maybe more than what the running game did against Michigan. Um, I think there's enough options in the passing game, especially if you add Berger in there as a guy out of the backfield with Pryor and Davis and Ferguson and now DK that I'm going to, for now, go with the passing game. Wisconsin's strong defensive effort is a product of the bad quarterbacks that they've played the first two games. Sold or not sold? <laughs> um, I, hmm. I'm not sold. Yeah, I think Wisconsin makes quarterbacks look worse than they are. Um, but I, I mean, Joe Milton has made some throws in the first few games and some of the guys talked about it in the week that, you know, Jack Sanborn said that he watched Milton against Indiana and he he made a throw on a post route that like most quarterbacks can't make. And Jim Leonard said his best plays on tape scare the hell out of you. So Milton is a talented quarterback and Wisconsin just made him look silly. I, I think it's more how good the defense is and the variety of looks that Leonard is able to provide with the depth that he has. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, sold or not sold, Wisconsin, Northwestern will decide the Big Ten West. Sold. 
<laughs> um, I mean, there's only going to be three games left after that game is played. And, yeah, Purdue's the only other team that would have one loss. So I, I, I'm going to go with sold on this. I mean, if obviously, if Northwestern wins, then they're going to be running away with this thing because they beat Purdue and Wisconsin in that situation. Yep. I, the, the hiccup is that Wisconsin might not get to six games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that I just I can't get past what a bizarre situation that would be. Like, let's say Wisconsin wins this game. They're clearly the best team in the West. And then some other team can't play because of COVID and Wisconsin only gets five games, doesn't go to the Big Ten championship game. So to me, that's the that's the one hiccup in this. But I think if Wisconsin wins this game, uh, I mean, this this is a team that I think very easily could could run the table here and get back to the conference championship. Um, I've seen some people float this. I think it was uh, one of the Nebraska writers floating it uh, that what happens if Northwestern gets some COVID cases this week, decides not to play, <laughs> and then we'll be able to play the rest of their games. Obviously, Wisconsin would be ineligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. Northwestern would roll and, and be the, the Big Ten West team. If there was a potentially less moral, uh, if a guy with, le- uh, f- uh, I guess, lower morals than uh, Pat Fitzgerald was running the program, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know who I would put in that spot. But um, I have a guy in mind. But I could see that happening. Like, not really, but kind of. Uh, just to just to screw it. I mean, you know, just to guarantee yourself a, a Big Ten West title. But that's not going to happen with Pat Fitzgerald. He he's that's not the type of guy he is. Uh, there are, there are others in this conference I could see doing that, but not him. Um, and I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's not going to happen. Like uh, Northwestern has probably has been pretty good. They've had guys out already for COVID. What they didn't they go to Northwestern? There's a whole bunch of guys that not Northwestern. When they went to Nebraska, they were down a whole bunch of guys. I don't know if that was all COVID related, but uh, I think we'll have a game Saturday. Assuming Wisconsin doesn't have another outbreak. Yeah, I certainly hope so. It is really interesting how the the rest of the schedule is shaping up for Wisconsin because who would have thought that the best team on the schedule uh, might be Indiana when the season started? Uh, I mean, that's certainly not going to be a cakewalk. And and Iowa has showed much more of a pulse here the last couple of weeks in, in dominating fashion. Uh, so, you know, th- th- there's no gimme here, but yeah, to me, I-, I think the winner of this game goes on to win the West, assuming each team gets a- the necessary games. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the Twitter questions, I wanted to ask uh, you about Jack Cohn and kind of what your feelings are with him. He uh, no longer wearing the boot. We talked to Paul Chris this week and he mentioned that he's still uh, in the rehab process uh, in the rehab room, uh, but he thinks uh, sooner rather than later that he could get it back on the field in terms of uh, football drills. No, no specific timeline on when he would be back, but when he does come back, what do they do? Is this as cut dry as this is Graham Mertz's job and Jack Cohn's not seeing the field again, or is there a, is there a conversation? I mean, to me, if Wisconsin is undefeated and Graham is playing well and and he's got seven touchdowns, no interceptions. So I know the game against Michigan wasn't his finest hour, but he's taking care of the football. He's doing what needs to be done. And if Wisconsin hasn't lost the game, I think it's a really – it's a hard sell to say we're going to take you out, even though Jack has done an awful lot in 18 starts, led the team to the Rose Bowl. You know, I've said this before, but if it was a situation where you had two quarterbacks that did very different things, it would make much more sense to say we're going to use a two-quarterback system or we're going to implement a plan that utilizes both guys. 
I think they're more similar. And I, I mean, I feel like Paul's obviously going to make a decision that he feels like helps the team win and gives, gives the Badgers the best chance. But it's just tough to see a switcheroo at midseason if you're the guy you've been rolling with is winning games, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, like it would have been uh, no question after the Illinois game, right? Just because of how dominant he was. Wasn't overly, wasn't great uh, against Michigan. We, we were not there, but it looked like the wind was pretty bad. Uh, so I don't know how, how big of an impact that had on the ability to throw the ball down the field because um, he, was, he was not accurate on some of those throws that he had been the, the week before. But look, he's going to, I think he's just going to keep getting better. I think it's going to be very, it'd be very difficult to take him out unless he just implodes next week against Northwestern. You know, um, I, I, I doubt Jack would be, is going to be ready for Northwestern, but it's possible he could be ready the following week when they play Minnesota. I think there's a possibility for that. But, you know, we'll see. It's, it's a question that I guess is down the road and that I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this are telling us to shut the heck up. It's Graham Mertz's team. No, we're not going back. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next week when they take on uh, Northwestern and, and, and how Graham plays. I, I personally think that he's going to play. I think he's going to be the star of the rest of the year. But I do think that there's probably a conversation going on within those offices about it. I don't what do you What do you think? I think there would have to be, at least with Jack, because of what he's brought to the program and he comes in and he's basically, I don't know if they, they name captains. He was going to be one <laughs> this yeah, year. Right. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, what, and the other thing which we've talked about is that, you know, Graham barely had an opportunity to have full practices. So who knows what he would have done against Michigan if it was a normal week and he hadn't have missed, you know, almost three weeks of, of being able to do anything. I, yeah, I think he's the guy moving forward and it, at worst you've got, a very good backup quarterback who would start for a lot of programs in cone. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously that's not a great situation for him, but for the team, it's a pretty darn good spot. I only, all I know is if it, when, if it does happen, if uh, Jack Cone ends up being back the starter and it, it's not a result of Graham playing poorly, that uh, Twitter as bad it as, as it has been for the past few months um, will just be horrible. I mean, it will be an absolute crap show. Um, moving on. We'll start uh, Twitter questions with this from Richard. He asks, is yesterday's starting off, uh, offensive line combination the best option? That one featured Cole Van Landon at left tackle, John Dietzen at left guard, Kane Lyles at center, Logan Bruss at right guard, and Tyler Beach at right tackle. The only change, the change obviously being with Josh Seltzner not available, they moved Johnson, John Dietzen back to his normal left guard spot, and then Logan Bruss down to right guard and, and Beach at right tackle. And that was kind of the offensive line I think we were expecting to see prior to the season opener. I think this is the best combination because, I mean, Dietzen, you saw what he was able to do in past seasons before he was hurt and couldn't play last year. I mean, he started 32 games. So if he's at full strength, I think he is your best option there. And then, yeah, at the, at the right guard, right tackle spot, that was the plan that Joe Rudolph had all along because he said he felt like Logan Bruss gave him more flexibility to move inside and then Beach could be the tackle. So to me, this is the best combination. I don't know necessarily where that leaves Josh Seltzner. I mean, they're going to use more than five guys probably uh, at various points this season, but Based on what they were able to do on the field, I think this is the the unit you got to go with moving forward. And I want to say that uh, Logan Bruss was dealing with an injury during camp that that uh, limited him a little bit, so they didn't 
they didn't get him back, and so they didn't want to move John Dietzen back over the right. They wanted to slot him in at a spot, and so they slotted him in at right guard. And then uh, obviously Logan was was healthy enough to play the opener and, and was at right tackle, but they just didn't have enough. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable with him at right guard, and they just wanted everyone to settle in at, at a spot. I think I'm pretty. I'm almost positive that's what Joe yes. Rudolph said. That's what that's what Rudolph said. He said that uh, I think Bruss missed about a week or something of practice leading up to the season opener, and he he said he didn't feel it was fair that he had given basically given Dietzen a spot and then to move him around days before the opener. Right. So yeah, you're right. That's a good point that you make, and that contributed to what they did in the opener. But th- this this game probably more aligned with what we envisioned from the O line. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Adam says, uh, safe to assume those who are unavailable for, Mich- for Michigan are likely back for Northwestern. Well, I think there's a huge I will. <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that while we have made several assumptions, so what Wisconsin's done this year is release a pregame status report, uh, and it doesn't say the reason why those players are not available. Having said that, um, I think that a lot of those guys would be back for the game if if there was, you know, if a lot of those guys or several of those guys had tested positive for COVID-19. Um, based on the timeline that we know, when they had upwards of 15 players and 12 staffers uh, with active cases, I would think they would be back. Don't you? Well, I mean, it's anybody who tested positive after Halloween. Because Halloween was the 31st. And so that Saturday, if anybody tested positive Sunday or after, they would not be available. It's just that we don't know. <laughs> right, we don't <laughs> know. like we didn't know going into the game. But, uh, I mean, some of those guys have to come off the board, right, and be available, I would think. I, we just don't know who. Right. No, there were uh, – it was – wasn't it – it was tw- – like, I'll have to go back and look at the numbers uh, on their release, the, the, the dates that they released them. But, like, it, they had 12 – I believe they had – Twelve positive cases uh, when they shut the north when the when the uh, they shut the Nebraska game down. I I, I shouldn't say it. I I'm, I don't want to get into it. I don't necessarily have the numbers right in front of me. Um, but all the people that tested positive then would be available. You know, if they were positive then they would be available. Uh, we we don't know. Like like Garrett Groshek was there last night. So you know, was his an injury or was his COVID? If it's COVID, it means he's probably in the protocol. And working his way back, you know, and just just not cleared for competition. If it was injury, then obviously it's different. But he was there last night, so you would expect if it's not injury related, he would be back next week. Um, you know, some of the other guys that weren't there, I guess we'll see. But it, it probably isn't fair for us to to speculate. But I think they'll get a healthy portion of those guys back. I think I think that is probably fair to say. We just don't know exactly who it's who it all is going to be. Um, Ty says, Leo Chanel versus John Chanel, cage match. Who wins? Does it end with both <laughs> uh, knocked out and it's a it's a draw? I mean, the only thing I can think of is that uh, John is older and would never allow his younger brother to win a cage match. But then you see Leo Crazy bench pressing a million pounds 40 times, and it's uh, it's hard to pick against him. So, you know what? I, I think it would be what would what would the line be on this? It would be a toss up. It'd be even. Did you see that line? Did you see that line move when you you guys do picks on the athletic every Friday, right? So you have a, the the podcast that you do the picks on. When you guys did your picks, what was the spread for Wisconsin? Was it like four and a half? 
Yeah, it was. So it and started it, out, I think it was three. And then it, by when we did it, it was four and a half. And then by the time the game started, I think it was seven. Yeah. So they knew Mertz was playing, obviously. Yes, um, I think so. It jumped, it jumped from that four and a half up to seven overnight. So like when, when Wisconsin got to Ann Arbor, and I assume, you know, I think a lot of people thought and felt that Graham Mertz was doing it, but the line jumped when it became for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, <laughs> I got that pick wrong. It was the only one where my colleague and I differed because I was just like, I don't know who's playing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if it's like a dozen guys or if there's six or eight guys from the two deep, it's hard for me to pick Wisconsin. But, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong about that one. So maybe I'm just not going to pick against uh, Wisconsin the rest of the season because uh, the saying goes – Good teams win, great teams cover, and they've certainly done that the first two weeks. Yeah. Look, Northwestern's not going to be – I mean, Northwestern – playing at Northwestern, I was joking about it earlier, but they just – they haven't played well down there um, for a variety of reasons, reasons. And sometimes Northwestern ha- has a good team, uh, but they have just one win there like in the last 20 years, uh, which I, which came back in 2016. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's – and that's a good team down there this year. Now we don't know how good they are. They've had to come back in a lot of their games, but um, you know it's, that that's going to be a significant test. Uh, CT Badger asks, do we have any injury updates on uh, on some guys? Uh, Kendrick Pryor, Mike Mascalunas, uh, Matt Henningsen, James Thompson, Danny Davis. Danny Davis came back, um, so I think he was. I think he was fine. I saw him, you know, uh, hunched over after his touchdown run, but I I, I think he. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Kendrick Pryor was dancing in the locker room after the game. Um, so all these guys went on Instagram live afterwards. Uh, Samar Melvin, Eric, um, Kendrick Pryor, a couple of other guys, and just were dancing in the locker room. And, and Eric Burrell was was among them, and so was uh, Kendrick Pryor. I, th- I think Kendrick Pryor got a little dinged up, uh, nicked up headwise, or so it looked after that that run where he got flipped up over his head, but or flipped up over his feet. We'll see. I, I would suspect if that is the case, then he would be in the protocol. Again, I don't want to assume that that's what it was, but it kind of it kind of looked that way. We don't know on Matt Henningsen, obviously. Uh, his his was a was an arm injury. I think it was like, like his left elbow was heavily wrapped. Okay, right. So th- those are all significant injuries. I think, especially along the defensive line. Do the pack? Do the Badgers get Garrett Ram back? I think that is a huge, huge question. If they can get him back, then maybe the Matt Henson injury isn't as important, but they're running out of depth up front, for sure. Yes, they are, and and Mike Mascalunas went down late in that game, and he's the backup inside linebacker at both spots, and we know that there's not a lot of depth there, too. So for as much as we talked about like what the secondary has, they are a handful of injuries away up front to having to use guys that they would not otherwise use, but they've been able to manage it so far. Um, I, in the interest of full disclosure, when we record this show it's on a sunday and so the school doesn't provide any injury updates we generally talk to paul christ on mondays and um for lack of a better way to put it i don't know that he's the most forthcoming in in offering the full evaluation of of where players stand and it's also early in the week at that point so he may not really know um but from what you said i i would tend to concur that some of those key guys you would expect to be back and how about graham mertz breaking it down by the way in that uh in that dance video too. He's always in the fray. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, people are loving that. What do you think about his, his take on his COVID situation? Because, you know, we, we hear from, uh, quite a few people that all these healthy guys, it's, it's irrelevant. It's stupid. They shouldn't have to sit out the 21 days. They're, they're healthy young men. This, this virus, this disease does not affect them. 
What did you think about what he said? Because he did have symptoms. He had headaches. He had body aches. He had a so- sore throat. He also lost his the, the his sense of taste and his smell for the for those four or five days. So he was affected by it. But what do you think about his take on on the twenty one days? Uh, I thought he handled the questions well. It's probably difficult to talk about uh, an illness like that that's been so public for the last several weeks. But I mean, it's interesting that when we talked about or, or heard about that you know these players were fine and that there were mild symptoms. I mean. To me, losing your sense of taste and smell doesn't feel all that mild. And he said that was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And symptoms for four or five days, I mean, that, while it could be worse, that's not nothing. But, I mean, he did point out that uh, he said everybody says the Big Ten protocol is too long, but I think they do a great job of organizing it and taking care of the players and going through that, showed him that and helped him to appreciate it. So that was his perspective on it. I know there's been a lot of conversation about that the Big Ten has the most strict uh, protocols in place that you're docked out for 21 days, but there's a reason why they do that, and they want to make sure that everybody's healthy and, and you can avoid a catastrophe if it can be avoided. Yeah, no doubt. A couple more Twitter questions here. Uh, Max, and this is something we kind of talked about, but Max asks, uh, is it concerning the Badgers don't have a clear number one running back? It could be a problem when playing Northwestern Iowa, who have pretty good rush defenses, or are we all in with a pass game? Well, at this point, I'm not overly concerned i mean sure would you <laughs> if you're a badgers fan or you're wisconsin would you love to have a jonathan taylor because you can hand the ball off to you 30 times and they'll get you 180 yards yeah but it's going to be a by committee approach that's been the plan all along unless nakia or jalen emerges as that guy and i'm not sure that at this point either one of them will um i mean i'm not going to say they're all in on the pass and, and that they're going to ride Mertz's arm solely to victory but I don't. I don't think right now, at least, I'm. I say they have to have a number one guy. But what do you think? Sure, as I said, you sure would like one. And as we talked, well, yeah. as we talked about before, you know, the three hundred, the three hundred plus yards without a one hundred yard rusher is something that has not happened here at least the last twenty five years. So it, it's abnormal, and it's not something that Wisconsin fans are used to. But it might be something that you just have to get wrap your arms around. Get it, get your arms around it, and accept it because that might be the case this year in the COVID times. You just, you just might not have that guy. And I don't. Again, would you like somebody to be able to count on that you can guarantee that he's going to show up every week? Yeah, of course. But they don't have that right now, so now they ride the hot hand. Whoever it's going to be in any particular game, I think is kind of where they they will go. Right? I mean, that's that that's kind of what I I think will happen. I don't think they're just going to keep on giving it to a guy who's not doing it. That you know, against uh, Illinois, they went to Garrett Groshek late in that game because he was the only one that was actually, you know, averaging over five yards a carry. So that is, uh, you know, I think that's kind of where they're going to go. I think they just may ride the hot hand, but that might be a good question for Paul Christ, even though he may not give us uh, an answer. Um, I'd love to ask John Settle that question. I mean, Settle would probably love to have a single guy, but like you said, this may not be the season. And also, I loved the Gary Anderson callback there. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> well, your arms around it. The funniest thing about that is Barry Alvarez used to try and you know talking about you know getting uh, COVID under control. Like it, that was the the wrap arm. Yeah, wrap your arms around it. Which do you for you personally? Is it the wrap your arms around it or I appreciate? Which one do you prefer? The, do you prefer the Gary Anderson? Or do you prefer the Paul Christ? I, I prefer the Gary Anderson. I, I, I like the notion of wrapping your arms around it, and also away we go. Yes, away we go. So his was away we go. Paul Chris's I I appreciate, and 
opportunity. Those are the, I appreciate the opportunity to have the opportunity, which they uh, will have the opportunity to have the opportunity to take over the Big Ten West, become the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten West when they take on Northwestern this coming uh, Saturday. Early feelings on that one, Jesse? Man, I feel like if Wisconsin is close to full strength, they're the better team, but I Northwestern, it's Northwestern and Wisconsin with the two best defenses in the league, at least at this point, based on numbers. And uh, it's also hard to wrap my mind around or my arms around <laughs> the fact that Wisconsin has been so bad in Evanston for two decades. Yeah. Melvin Gordon ran for 250 yards and they still lost. Now, that was a crazy Joel Stavi Tanner McAvoy game Oof. for another day. But uh, I think Wisconsin wins this game. That's my early feeling right now. Yeah, I think they do as well. I, I, may, I mean, by the time we publish this, the, the spread will probably be out, but I imagine Wisconsin will be a favorite in that game. Um, I don't know how big of a favorite, but they, they will be a favorite because now we know that Graham Mertz is playing. Uh, at least we know Graham Mertz is playing. But uh, Peyton Ramsey has looked uh, pretty good at times for Northwestern. Who knew Indiana producing two potential All-Big Ten quarterbacks, both in Michael Penix and, uh, and now uh, Peyton Ramsey? I did not see that coming, no. But, it, I mean, it's going to be a good game. I I don't think this is going to be a particularly high-scoring game based on how well the defenses have played, um, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be able to uh, talk about it uh, next week. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.